0: Welcome to What Does This Mean?, a discussion of the Bible texts that are assigned in many Christian churches for this upcoming Sunday. Today, as we look at stories of Jesus' ascent into heaven, we can't decide if this is really an ending or a beginning. So perhaps it will be up to you to decide that. We're so glad that you have joined us on the mountaintop today. Welcome to What Does This Mean? We're so glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Bradley Schmailing
1: I'm Pastor Lois Palmeier.
2: And I'm Pastor Javen Swanson.
0: We're the pastors at Glory Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. And for the next few minutes, we're going to be talking about some very interesting readings. Actually, this week, we're doing a little bit of substituting Instead of reading the lessons that are normally appointed for the seventh Sunday of Easter, we're actually going to read the lessons that are appointed for Ascension Day, uh, which is always the 40th day after Easter, so it's always on a Thursday. Uh, And in my dreams, I always imagine that we're going to have some big Ascension Day service in church on Thursday evening. Well, obviously, we're not doing anything in church right now, and it's forever been difficult to get anybody to come to church on a Thursday. Um, So it's kind of fun to move these texts, which are great stories, to uh, a Sunday and talk about them. In this season, we've been inviting wonderful guests to come and join us. And today, Larry Nelson is with us. Larry, we're so glad that you're here.
3: Tell us a little bit about who you are in the world. Well, I've, uh, I'm have i in my second attempt to retire. I taught high school math and science for several years and spent the rest of my career in IT. And it's from IT that I'm uh, attempting my second retirement. At Gloria Day, I'm a member of the chancel Choir, which I miss immensely. And I'm Chair of the Stewardship Committee also. You know, I've been in church choirs for 54 years, ever since my father gave me the option of a night off from the dairy farm and solo use of the family car to drive into town for Wednesday night rehearsal. I have four grandchildren, two in Boston, two in Nevada, three adult children, Reno, Boston, and Duluth. And that involves a lot of car driving. So that's who I am. We're so glad you're here.
0: And I agree with you. I think singing together is one of the things that I am really missing the most about being together. Well, actually, there's a lot I miss about being together. But that sense of Doing something together, breathing together, singing together, singing in harmony as we do so beautifully at Gloria Day just leaves a bit of a a hole in my soul. Well, let's jump into the readings for this coming Sunday. Pastor Jabin, would you
2: read the first one for us? I would be happy to. The first reading for today is from Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1. So this is the very beginning of the book of Acts, which actually is part two of Luke's gospel. You can think of this as the extension of Luke's gospel. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into
3: heaven. What questions do you have, Larry? Not a question so much as I find it interesting some of the parallels from this story to the resurrection stories. The men in white robes, the questions, why are you standing here, what are you doing here, Uh, go kind of things it's interesting the, the
0: the parallels. I think that's really great that you noticed that because I think Luke is doing that on purpose. He's connecting their experience now to the experience of the resurrection and even when we read the gospel in a few minutes from Luke, which interestingly is the same author telling the same story twice but he tells it in different ways i was going you to see bring in it that up story in a few how he recalls it back to the shepherds hearing the announcement in the field so luke is sowing the message of the resurrection from the story of jesus now into their own experience and going forward into The world. So Luke is like wanting us to hear this isn't a historical account. This is an ongoing phenomenon that you are now about to be part of, which really he's saying to us, not even to the disciples on the mountain, but kind of to us who are wherever we're standing, sort of now, all right, everybody you are my witnesses, you're the ones that have been caught up in this story, so go.
3: The other thing I wonder about this is he lists places where, he's going, where they're going to be his witnesses, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I wonder, did he choose specifically Samaria so that they would go and tell the woman at the well about the resurrection? That's a great
1: question. We don't know for sure that that story's in a different. It's in John's Gospel. Right. It doesn't show up in in Luke's, but but I like that. some sometimes people think that it means like um, if you if you think of concentric circles, Jerusalem would be the closest circle, and then Judea is the rest of that area, and then Samaria means the end, the the beyond places, the the next uh, state over. But but kind of the the hostile areas, but beyond where we are and even to the ends of the earth. So he's just trying to say, you will be my witnesses right at home and and in further places and in further places and wherever you go. You know, this the sense of it's gonna explode from you.
2: And there's almost a sense too that this is as you read the rest of the book of Acts, this sort of becomes the outline for the book. So the first several chapters of Acts are the disciples in and around Jerusalem, but then they eventually move outward, and then by the end, they're, you know, proclaiming the gospel to the whole world. And so this sort of, it's almost like a thesis statement right here at the very beginning, saying like, this is going to be, the, this is the pattern you're going to see unfold here in the rest of this book.
0: I feel like this passage connects to what we're experiencing now. The sense that we've now entered another chapter, okay, in the telling of our stories. We all know that. In fact, probably for the rest of our lives, we'll look back on this time and talk about what it meant to live through it. It's going to become part of the national story, you know, like the great depression or the world war and, um, our identities will change. Our experience of one another will change. And I love that the disciples in the face of that, of this awareness about a new chapter, they're just kind of standing there staring up into heaven, like their mouths falling open, like what? You're kidding me. Um, And then this wonderful voice that says, why are you just standing there looking up into heaven? Move, live, go, you know, Um, and I kind of take a little bit of heart in that is um, because I often feel sort of stuck in the face of what's coming, what's going to be expected or how we're going to do it or even what's going to happen to the economy or our livelihoods or, you know, how we practice our work. And I can be immobilized by that. And I like this kind of interruption saying, okay, yeah, take a minute, stare, stop, but then quit looking into that and just just move, do do something.
1: You know, we imagine that, oh, Jesus is coming back. So we better watch and wait and, and look for Jesus to come back. And even, even at this point, they're saying, Jesus is going to come back just the way you saw him go up. So why are you looking for it? It seems like you'd say, oh, well, then you should be looking for it. But instead, the, the, the angels or these men in white robes say, you don't need to be watching. It. Jesus is going to come back just as simply as he just left you. He will be with you. And you've got work to do. Go ahead. Go get started. It's OK. Go, go. Yeah. <laughs> just get going. You've got things to do. I love that.
0: Maybe that's a good place for us to end. Don't worry, we'll be back.
1: Welcome back. Our second reading comes from the first chapter of Ephesians, verses 15 through 23. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the work of his great power. the fullness of him who fills all in awe.
3: The thing that strikes me in this passage is just the incredible hopefulness that this passage gives us. It's it's brimming with hope. It's brimming with possibilities. As somebody who majored in mathematics in college, and I think I got a couple other pastors out there who did the same kind of major, words like immeasurable greatness And revelation and those kinds of things expand my thinking and make me wonder, what is God up to?
1: I love how many times he mentions power. It's all about this power that God had in Jesus and that God showed Jesus, and that now God is putting in us this, this great power, and he uses the word several times, that Jesus has been taken to the places above all power, and yet has given us power to, okay. to be his witnesses, as we heard in the last reading, but also just to, to be able to do the work, just really filled with that sense of empowering the, the readers of, of the letter to say, you have been filled with the riches of what Jesus brought to to us.
0: And I always think "power" is sort of an interesting word because, in our in the world's lexicon, power means authority over or one's ability to enact their will or you know do what they need to do. Uh, but in the Gospels, power is is this different kind of energy. It's, a, it's an energy that takes the love of God and shapes it into the world. Uh, you know, it's like a source. Uh, you know how when you see light being refracted or like brought back together into one kind of really pure beam? I feel like that's kind of the power we have in God that, God's goodness, mercy, love kind of comes together and then is shown outward into the world, not to hurt, but to build it up, to deepen it, to save it.
2: When we we read here that Jesus is lifted up far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, it's like All those earthly ways of exercising power and authority and dominion continue to play out on earth, but Jesus is up to something different above all of that. And actually, Jesus is still the one who continues to rule over the church in this different kind of way, and we participate in that way of God exercising power rather than just being engaged in power the way the world uses it. This has one of my
0: favorite little phrases in the eyes of the heart. I've just always loved that little poetic turn of phrase to see with the eyes of the heart. I think I often see with so many other kinds of eyes, you know, the eyes that I've been trained to see with or the eyes of my pain or my own trauma or difficulty, you know, my selfishness or or like when I live small and I see the world through that smallness. But I love this call to see with a different set of eyes.
3: I think uh, in this present time, the eyes of your heart is a good phrase to think about in terms of all we have to go through right now and how we need to be looking out for our neighbors and how our actions impact those of our neighbors and those of the whole world around us. I liked the shift when the sheltering
0: first happened. We talked about canceling and closing down and... Pretty quickly, we said, we're not closing. We've simply moved church to a new location. The body has been deployed. It's in the world. And I've seen signs on churches like that sort of showing up. We're not closed. We're not closed. We're at work or we're online or um, we're loving in our neighbor hoods and to me that's the different way of seeing it you could drive by the church building and saying well the church is just shut down and closed they're waiting but no we're embodying
1: the whole sense of you know the church is not the building never was the building the church is the people and that we we are we are still being church we we are being church every time we we do anything so i like that the eye of the heart because with the eyes of our our heads, we may look at the building and say, nothing's going on there. With the eyes of the heart, see all the different ways that each one of us in the church, all of you who are listening, are being church, are doing the will of God, that being the hands, as, as Pastor Javen pointed out last time, being the hands and feet, the body of Christ in the world, we get to be church now more, more clearly than we than we have. And this reading from Ephesians says it so clearly, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and, and now has put all things under his feet, gives us all this ability to be this power.
0: Let's take a little break and we'll come back with our gospel reading. The gospel for Ascension is Luke 24:44 through 53. And like we said, it's the same story we just heard, but it's told in a slightly different way. Then Jesus said to them, "These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the psalms must be fulfilled."
3: and the first story we read today is this story ends the Gospel of Luke. The first story we read today begins the Acts of the Apostles, and yet Luke is telling this story in two different ways. And it always causes me to wonder, why is he doing that? What what is the what is the reason for for the differences? Why did the two men show up in the Acts story and admonish the people to get moving. And here in the story in Luke, those two men aren't there and they return to Jerusalem with great joy. I think that's a
2: great question to ask because I think this is so often what we have to do when we're reading the Bible and when we're reading even two different gospels and two different gospel writers are telling the same story, but they tell it differently. I think it's worth asking, why are they doing it differently? They must have some sort of agenda is a bad word, but they have some sort of goal that they're, they have a goal in telling the story. Why are they telling the story? And, and I think we all do this in our own lives, right? We have family stories that we tell and maybe depending on who our audience is or what we're trying to accomplish by telling the story, we emphasize different parts. Um And I love that here, the same, author can tell this story two different ways. And I think that that is exactly the right question to ask Larry. Like, why does Luke tell it this way at the end of the Gospel of Luke, but differently at the beginning of the Gospel of Acts? And I think if we we could spend a whole podcast episode just exploring the differences in these two tellings of the story and why Luke might have been doing that. I feel like we read them in the
0: wrong order. Like in church, we should read the Luke one first and then the Acts one because the Luke one feels like it's it's kind of a nice ending to the story. You know, it ends with the benediction. Jesus blesses them, sends them back to, to wait for the next step. You know, it's kind of a great ending to the story where the Acts reading is like, why are you standing there looking up into heaven? Go, there's a sense of movement forward rather than conclusion.
2: It's a launching.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: I like thinking that, you know, Luke wrote the first volume of his, of his story about Jesus and finished it. And then some months or years later realized, oh, you also have to know what happened after that because I don't want you to think, it stopped then when Jesus went went up, was taken up into heaven. That's actually when we all got started, when we were commissioned to actually be um, Jesus witnesses. And let me tell you what happened once we once we recognized what that commission was, once we started living into that, we had all this um, experience of of God's power in our own lives. It wasn't just what we had seen in Jesus. We we took it into our own. So then He had to emphasize maybe something else like. Remember that those two guys looked at, at the group and said, don't stand here. Keep going. You've got things to do.
0: Maybe this story, do, you know, it really does two things. You know, the fact that Jesus is gone means two things. One, the community gathers with itself. It comes together and it it worships together. It experiences joy in what they've experienced through the risen Christ. They They come back to scripture in a new way with a new understanding. It's like a new understanding is open to them. So there's something about creating God's community together, but less that become the be-all and end-all of the church, which is just, you know, being community together. Luke says, no, there's actually another point of this, which is you have to share this. You have to take your experience and you've got to carry it now into the world. The the departure of Jesus doesn't mean now you just close ranks and hold on to your wonderful experience of a living Jesus. You got to do something
2: about it. Larry, I was thinking about your question earlier when we were reading the Acts reading or just the noticing that you had that how much it sounds like the resurrection story, the two men dressed in white and the and particularly that question about like why are you just standing there what it made me think was how throughout the gospels and even here at this point in the story the disciples are kind of clueless about it and the response always from jesus is don't you understand like we've we've been through this this is it's all playing out the way it was supposed to like i've been telling you all along and i actually take heart in that knowing that all the way through Jesus's ministry up to the very end, the disciples were, and even after Jesus has ascended into heaven, the disciples are sort of like, I don't get it. Like, why is this happening? And and so that that response, why are you standing there? Go, go do this. It, I just, I find it really helpful to know the disciples of Jesus have always struggled with understanding our mission and why... Everything has played out the way it did. And we as a community sometimes need Jesus to, or the, the angels dressed in white to help clear things up for us and nudge us forward into the future.
0: We should probably end there for today. Larry, we're so glad that you were with us today. Thank you so much for adding to the conversation we're interested to hear what all of you think about these stories. So feel free, as always, to drop us a note at pastors at GloriaDayStPaul.org. Thank you to Paul D'Amico Carper for providing the music for us and for Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcasting for producing these podcasts for us. You can join us for online worship at 9.30 a.m. every Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us today, and know that as you go, God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean?, a podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaysaintpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting. And they can be found online at
1: www.mnpodcasting.com.